1: Hello and welcome to the Felix Club, the show where we get people from around the world to tell you how they saw the news from the past month. This is episode number 38 for August 2011. Hello, everyone. And first of all, I think I deserve a round of applause for finally saying 2011 in one of my shows. Um, it only took me like eight months. I, I <laughs> used to say, I always say 2011, which is ridiculous. Um, hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is, of course, the Philos Club, where we gather people from around the world and get their views on uh, basically what's happened around the world with that little... Um, Little difference from what the news channels you'd usually get, which is they will tell you how they saw the news that came out uh, from the perspective of their country and culture. So I'm very happy to welcome a, a crowd. I think it's the biggest show uh, we've had in quite a while, if not ever. We You're talking about are... sheer size, not prestige, right? Because <laughs> there's nothing prestigious about me. Uh, no, actually, I was uh, talking about Paul and Jen, who oh, are yes. here also. So that, that lovely voice is John, who is coming to us from the uh, from Connecticut, you were saying, right? Yes, from, uh, from Connecticut in the United States. There you go. Uh, Paul is also here, staying up extremely late to, to be with us. How are you doing, Paul?
2: I'm fine. Thank you, Patrick those be here have, uh, as
1: always <laughs> those who have listened to the show before know uh, paul and know that he is based in hong kong so thank you for being here and uh, jen is also here uh, she is in the uk and she's also been on the show before so it's yep. a, a bunch of friends how are you doing <laughs> jen how are you doing jen
0: Oh, I'm doing great. Um, I just came back from Edinburgh. Um, I was there for the month, um, working and performing in a show in the, in the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Cool. Um, yeah, so I have just got back to London yesterday, <laughs> and I've just been so- readjusting.
1: Let's let's get into sort of a uh, more sensational uh, sensationalistic uh, mode and say oh, that you actually had to run away from the riots. Oh yes, um, I, I was
0: an, a refugee. Um, there you go. Yes, That's came back like to broken it. windows and burnt down doorways. Um, I did have some friends that actually did. One of I mean, while I was up in Edinburgh, it actually was a bit stressful um, because there were friends of mine that, um, like, one, some of my friends in Hackney. One of them had a brick or stone go through her window. Mm. Um, Things like that were going on. So it was a bit freaky for a few days. And then Mm. it just sort of dissolved and mm. then turned into right-wing pro- political rhetoric after that. Mm. So.
1: <laughs> okay, interesting. I, I'm sure it's because the government blocked uh, Twitter and Facebook. That, oh, uh, absolutely. You know, yeah, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, as always, I know that the uh, audience is getting a little bit anxious because they're like, wait a second, there's someone missing. What's happening? What's what's up? But, of course, he's here. Turkey is being silent, yeah. but he's here. And,
3: he, and, he, and here I thought you just forgot all about me. Turkey I think even if I
1: even if I wanted to I couldn't <laughs> You put the key in Turkey
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> How are you doing I'm um, great thanks Cool uh, I uh, just uh, just celebrated the eight holidays so and we're getting back to work
1: Excellent I'm sure we'll uh, hear a little bit about that in a few uh, in a little while Um so as I was saying uh, before we started recording um, I, I usually don 't prepare a whole lot for for the show, and I rationalize this by by uh, saying that the show is all about how normal people perceive the news, so you shouldn 't like investigate too much that 's how you know I spin it anyway and and for this episode i 'm even less uh prepared because I was sick and busy and all of that. So um, yeah, it's it's one of those shows where I'm going to sound even more like an idiot than I usually do. So I hope you guys uh, pick pick things up to better the show in spite of me. Oh, so we need to make you look better. Well, let's say that you need to make the show look better. <laughs> I, I don't care about me, man. I do it for the for the art of podcasting. Patrick, he does it for the children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay,
3: Patrick, I really, really have to ask this question. Oh, what God, what's coming? Is the deal, what the hell is the deal with this picture of yours? Which one? The one I'm seeing right now on
5: Skype. You're staring at me like you're about <laughs> to beat the shit out of oh, me. That, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the mad, like, like, you had too much gin. He's an angry drunk. Yeah. Which, which one is it? Because I
1: can't uh, wait.
0: A you, it's you, like got a you got some the, like, the paper and brown.
5: Yeah what's Victorian wallpaper
1: in the background. Oh, right. It's my. Uh, I. I look mean and serious. You're a badass. Yeah. yeah.
3: Seriously, I, I'm. I'm really <laughs> horrified sitting here. I'm really thinking just running away.
1: Well, you know, it's. It, I've been using it. It was a, a, a <laughs> shot taken by a professional photograph. Pho- uh, photographer. Um, and and I've been using it on social networks for a while, and um, it was it, it, because it just looks good you know it makes me look badass but i changed yeah. it don't now deny him social... his badassery <laughs> <laughs> yes i don't get much badassery you know if you see me in real life i'm just like scrawny uh, a tiny i'm getting a a, a a not a beer gut but kind of i don't beer, but when, I'm was, too much. when was
3: the last when so. was the last time you went out on a strike or demonstration
1: I see that's what I should do. I don't do that so I don't get the exercise. That's all the exercise we, we, we get. Patrick's been eating too much cake. Basically. <laughs> I didn't have bread. Think, what was I going to do?
3: I think I think you've been too lazy just like Americans apparently.
1: Possibly, Come on, you're yes.
3: French. You're supposed to be striking and demonstrating every single day.
1: <laughs> I I'll get to that at some point. But but I did change my uh my avatar picture on uh, uh Twitter and Google Plus and all of that. The the new one is kind of uh, cute and cuddly. Well, not cuddly, but I'm, like, a lot more, you know, less threatening, I would say. It was funny. A friend of mine changed his picture, and he also looks, like, badass and serious in his one. I was like, dude, that looks ridiculous. It's it's fake. <laughs> and, and then I pointed myself to my own previous picture and shut up. So, um, right. Okay. Uh, any other topic we want to talk about before um, we get besides into you. the news yeah besides me I mean I'm always up for talking about me anything you want oh, to know Patrick. it's fine um, but uh, yeah anything else nope okay silence so let's mm-hmm. get into uh, you said anything, anything
3: except you I'm definitely sure we can talk about you a
1: lot but <laughs> so <laughs> when it's not you're, me you're stumped, I you're prefer like. to talking about you when you're
5: not here <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, uh, you know, at the end of the show, I'll go away for a little bit and you can say mean things. Oh, that's great. I'll listen to any <laughs> about
5: day. an hour. <laughs> well, Terpster
1: and Nicole do it on the Movilicious all the time, so. All right. Um, let's get into the news, shall we? Yes. Uh, th- so I guess the first thing that comes to mind that has been on the news nonstop for the... Last month, even more than it had been before, is, of course, what's <laughs> happening in uh, in Libya in mm. conjunction with the uh, uh, Syrian news. So for those who don't know, I'm sure they do not exist, but just in case they just mm. woke up from a long coma and decide to listen to the Fidesz Club, which is, you know, great choice. Um, the, the, uh, the the revolution in um, Libya has sort of uh, succeeded because uh, Muammar Gaddafi has retreated and uh, is nowhere to be found. He's still sending um, messages uh, to, you know, voice messages through the, the s- different means, different media. But um, the, the, oh, in French we call it the Conseil National de Transition, which is uh, National Transition Council, I guess, mm. um, is, is, has basically um, won you know it's they're they're um in tripoli and they have uh, most control over most of the territory and they have been recognized by i would say most countries if not all countries in the world and that is something that quite honestly even in, in the show we've discussed it uh, a few times and um we didn't we weren't we weren't sure at all that this would happen because libya is is a country that is a lot more um divided and fragmented by tribes than the other mm-hmm. um uh, countries are uh you know the ones that had revolutions in the past few months um so yeah in france it's been all day everyday um news about libya and and precise following on what the um the 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 evolution of the uh revolutionaries uh, has been and it's probably because france has been quite invested in that uh, in that uh, in that revolution a lot of people are commenting in here well not a lot but it's been mentioned that uh, the french government didn't look its best with the uh, previous revolutions so on this one they really pushed uh, nato and really pushed for uh, they were the first one to recognize the uh, national council for Transition, I guess it's what it's called, mm. um, and uh, the National Transition uh, Transitional Council. There you go. Um, so yeah, in France, it's been covered a lot, and it's it's been reported that you know uh, President Sarkozy was really pushing for it. For you know, as usual, there it's not like there's just one reason, but it was partly because. Probably he wanted to uh, change his image with the election coming up um, next year, and probably partly because it's the right thing to do. So huge coverage. I'm guessing it's been huge coverage in you know all over the world. I have a small doubt for Hong Kong maybe, so let's keep that for, for last. But um, U.K. U.S it's been a big topic, maybe not mm-hmm. U.S. Um, Jen, but you're, you're the closest from me, so let's go okay. like that.
0: Um, yes. In the UK, it's been huge coverage. Um, and uh, I mean, not so much in Edinburgh, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sort of dig there. It's a bit of a bubble then. So basically, but, um,
1: Edinburgh, what is it? They talk about like cheap and beer? and that's Yeah. It? Yeah. It's okay. just
0: basically beer and, and the next comedy show and who got five stars. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it has been quite a lot of coverage. And what I've been finding interesting about the coverage that I've seen is that it's um, – it's coverage with a bit of an American bent to it. Um, there's a lot of talk about America's reaction to it. Um, and a lot of just various people trying to take credit for, um, how well it went. Um, I put that in quotes, but, um, <laughs> You know, it's just uh, that's been the nature of the coverage. Uh, and then there's there is um, a bit of a sensationalistic bent to, like, you know, the whole hunt, the hunt for Gaddafi and Gaddafi yeah. says this and Gaddafi says, oh, Gaddafi's dead. And now he's not. And, you know, and so it's um, but it has not been covering like what you're talking about, which is sort of the more um, the more institutional revolution that's been actually going on. So, mm. yeah, that's, that's sort of what we've been seeing.
1: So has there been the same kind of, uh, oh, my God, where is Gaddafi today? Is he hiding in a cave? Yes. Is he?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. It's been exactly like that. And um, it's, you know, it's sort of like, you know, it's the, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's interesting that, um, that they're trying to, it, it is sort of not giving Libya and every, it's not. Owning up to the complexities of what's going on in Libya, mm. I guess if okay. that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, it does. Um, it's it's funny. It, I didn't really realize this, and maybe I don't watch the the right channels. But in France, it's been very um, you know it it appears that Gaddafi is uh, is maybe hiding somewhere in Tripoli, and now it appears he's he's somewhere else. And but very serious and very measured uh, type of reporting. So it's it I didn't even realize that it could be. Reported as, you know, filmified, kind of. Um, there was I, a bit of
0: him being dead for a bit. And mm. I thought, hmm, that's interesting. And
1: <laughs> yeah, there there definitely was a lot of uh, discussion about his sons. Uh, at some point, we thought that, uh, what's his name, Saif al-Islam, um, was had been captured, and then he appeared on TV uh, in Tripoli as the insurgents were... Um, you know, occupying most of the city and showing that uh, that he was that that the Qaddafi forces were still fighting, and it was a little bit uh, dramatic at one point, but nothing too you know over overdone. Um, John, what about the U.S.? If there's anyone that's going to turn something into a, a movie, <laughs> it's you guys, right? I mean, I would say in the last month, this has been
5: I would I would label Libya as B stories. As far hmm. as you know like and what I mean by that is that it's their headlines they' here's an update here's a little thing you know that's happening Oh, they think you know could, you know I think there was a Gaddafi was in Algeria they thought at some point yeah. um, okay. uh, I, so I've, I've caught a couple of things I mean obviously our media narrative is uh, turned inward right now um, right so the main stories uh, for us here are not. Uh, not nearly as much of what's going on in the rest of the world, and I guess that's kind of normal for the United States. But, sure. um, uh, but especially right now with
1: our our current economic state. But so it's I, not I, just for the hurricane thing that that you're saying this.
5: No, no, it has. I mean, I, I, the majority of the news, at least the stuff that I've been watching, and maybe it's just be, you know in terms of what I've been interested in. Yeah, of course. Um, but uh, the majority of the things that I see are probably you know. Like two thirds, you know, political turmoil and one third, you know, what's going on in the rest, you know, in the rest of the world,
1: which a good chunk of that is definitely Libya. Um, Yeah. But that's interesting because definitely, you know, it was, uh, there was a little bit of a lull for a while where, when they were doing back and forth uh, between um, the different cities. And, but then in the past week uh, and a half or so, uh, things have taken such a, 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 a dramatic turn that um, at this point I would say it's strange that if anyone is not covering it because this is. Such oh, I mean, it's strange, definitely
5: being yeah. covered. It's just you know it's mm. it's little updates, a lot of updates, but they're not like you know they're not getting people you know let's get a bunch of people to talk about this you know um, right. they're not you know they're not nearly can you, delving can you into do it. Do that
1: voice again right. at some point. Well,
5: yes, I can. Thank you. Um, was it? I don't know what that was. It anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know you have. I th- I think right now the for me the most interesting thing that's ha- happening is the term as soon as as soon as it becomes scandalous for us um, then we're a little bit more interested now things are mm. starting to come out of Tripoli about uh, the CIA connection and a congressman's connection to Gaddafi and how mm. we've been sort of helping them even recently um, you know and in the past years finding insurgents and things like that um, Ooh, and our I our didn't rep- hear that. Or rather, are somewhat close relationships with Qaddafi's regime. Um, so it's
1: yeah, it's I, it, that, that's interesting, you know, because everyone seems to be not I wouldn't say surprised, but we've heard about this too, like the the relationships between um, the Bush's administration specifically, and the fact that they would send <laughs> uh, terrorists to Libya to be questions qu- questioned, right. uh, quote unquote, which of course is kind of you know it's it's. To say the least, questionable. But it's not like it's the fact that we have tied, we had tied, and I say we as in the the whole Western world had tied with Gaddafi. Are is a surprise, you know? We were doing business with him, and like. You know, well, like that's, what, we I mean, I mean
5: yeah, it's, everything sort of, everyone sounds very shocked and, yeah. you know, shocked that all of a sudden, you know, it's like we're we're hypocritical because, you know, all of a sudden we're turning you know, around, you know, one person, you know, one minute he's our friend and the next minute, as soon as things turn, he's, you know, you know, we're sanctioning him and things like that. And well, I, 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 mean, I yeah, why are people and, surprised and, by this? Because this is us relating to who we have to relate to in the government yeah. and we have to make those relationships. Yeah. And... As soon as, as soon as things start to turn, I mean, you know, does, did anybody really think that like America as a whole is like really friends with you know these regimes? We cooperate and we get what we want out of them. You know what I mean? Like we we yeah. have our own self interests at uh, heart, and I, I don't think it's surprising. Although certain individual decisions may be you know, uh, abhorrent or, or, you know, shameful. But I think, you know, the idea that we wouldn't, you know, get what we need out of the relationships that we have and Mm. then turn on them when it's
1: convenient doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And everyone else, please feel free to, to talk at any point during the conversation. But the thing that is sort of, it rubs me the wrong way a little bit is that, oh, my God, look at what the administration was doing with Gaddafi's regime. And I'm not just talking about the U.S. I'm sure, you know, we were doing business, as I was saying, with him, and France had close relationships with uh, Gaddafi. And, again, it rubs me the wrong way that people are sort of discovering this. And when we were talking about the the previous ones, you know, with uh, Ben Ali and stuff like that, I was saying France discovered that they were dictators. And in that sense, we sort of did our... Uh, mea culpa you know it's true that we didn't really see it as it was partly because of the the media partly you know lots of things but with Gaddafi he was on the terrorist lists for a long time and we did work with him he came to uh, France among many other countries and there was a sort of mini controversy at one point because he he had his tent in the uh, whatever garden or something but Mm. It, everybody knew that when people now say, uh, when I say people, I'm like, when the, I mean, when the um, journalists are reporting, and look at this, we discovered that he had relationships with the Secret Service of this and that country. It's like, that's not really a discovery. I mean, we find the the papers and we have proof, but it's not surprising. And appearing surprised is sort of very hypocritical for me. Mm. Um, anyway, but it's, it's also being reported like this. Um, all right, Turkey, I'm sure you'll have an interesting take on uh, the latest events in, uh, in Libya.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh, I think I told Sorry you from, from waking the... you up there.
3: Ah, oh, dude. I'm just <laughs> tired. I just, I, I, I just, I just came from shopping. So marriage <laughs> life is not easy. So exhausting. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, they 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 take take you by the hand, they pull you out of your home, and while you're relaxed, they take you out to the supermarket, make you shop and spend money and stop, You're gonna scare Patrick, <laughs> <laughs> and make you buy food and stuff. And it's unbelievable. Yeah, like, do we really need food? <laughs>
4: <laughs> Poor <Point> taken.
3: So. <laughs> so uh, I think I told you before that this guy is a nutcase and there's no – definitely he's going to do everything in his power to stay in power. And that's apparently what he's doing. Uh, it's been uh, huge news. Uh, uh, wait, wait, wait. Last... Are
1: you, to, to stay in power, are you saying yeah. that there's a feeling that he, he's still sort of – because here it's like it's finished. He's out. That's Dude, he st-
3: Is he or is he not still in Libya?
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, we don't really know. But the way we're we're seeing it here is, you know, the the, the battle is finished. Yeah,
3: Muammar Gaddafi himself is still there. And the battle is not finished. There is still battling Mm. going on. If you follow the news carefully, you'll find there's still a lot of battling going on. Mm. There are still a lot of people who are loyal to him who are fighting. Mm. And the guy keeps on sending out all of these messages, audio messages on. He has two TV channels that are still working. Mm. That he promotes and he pays for. One comes out of Syria, the other one I'm not really sure from where. And so the guy is still there. He's still in in his own way and still in power. His his hometown is still out of the reach of the opposition and the rebels. It's not controlled by the rebels till this day. So the guy is still there. He's in that case. This guy would rather destroy the country blow it up in a nuclear bomb, then turn it over to anybody except him. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So for, uh, so it, it, it is a big deal that they were able to actually finally enter Tripoli, and that and that was big news covered all over in Saudi in the Middle East. People have been very close watching everything going on in Tripoli. Uh, we had almost 24 hours a day coverage of what's going on. And... Uh, the fall of his uh, uh, home of sumud or Resistance home, where he has this crazy statue where he's crushing the American F-16 or whatever, and with an arm and uh, anyway, that not case. Wait, that didn't really happen. <laughs> I really don't think so. I really doubt it. I really would love to see him do that. So. <laughs> So the guy is still in power in his own way. He might have lost much of it. Uh, The rebels might be winning. They might be claiming that they're winning. They might declare that they're going to move the government to Tripoli from Benghazi and so on. And and it is a huge success for them. Definitely, I'm not saying that they did not succeed. They definitely had a huge success. They mm-hmm. have proven that they had they can do more than what they was expected of them, uh, and they're doing very well. However, that nutcase is still there, and he's going to be there. And the only way he's getting out of there is either to the grave yeah. or to jail, and mm-hmm. most likely to the to the grave. He, he's yeah. not going to leave voluntarily.
1: Never. That's interesting. We we really get a feeling here that the deed is done. Basically, it, yes, there are <laughs> there's still fighting happening here and there, and yes, we haven't found him. But the the largely the battle is kind of over. Um, in the is this a wishful
5: saying. thinking on the media's part then? I mean, is this, is this us going, let's be done with this, it's, it's over, they got Tripoli, it's obviously, it's done with, you know, let's mm-hmm.
1: move on? It, it might be skewed vision from the West in general, you know. It might be that we don't really understand the country as a whole. And uh, fr- in the Middle East and the Arab countries, mm-hmm. knowing the the guy and the, the country, well, I'll let Turkey talk. rather The, than the,
3: the question, the real question is, are they talking about the end of the war or are they talking about the end of Gaddafi? That's the real question you have to ask mm. because those two are completely different. Mm. It's not because, – because I don't the think we separate them been, that much. Right? Yeah, we, it's sort yeah, of that's, – that's, that's mm. Yeah, that's why I mentioned it because the war definitely did not end. The war will be continuing and it might even ex, uh, become worse by time. Because we are talking about a country where people just went on the streets. If each one got their own arms, they are divided. They might have one uh, control headquarters, but they are all divided. You have the Tripoli uh, Brigade. You have the uh, Mountain Brigade, the Jabal Brigade. You have the Benghazi Brigade. They all have different leaders. They have all different ideologies. They, have, they completely think differently. And, and it's so, so misorganized. It's so misorganized that people are just praying, especially here in Saudi and all the our countries are praying that that this transitional government, this opposition government could actually take control and take control of these brigades and different divisions. But things don't look like that. We do expect that there will be a civil war for a while. And this is the biggest, biggest problem in in, uh, Libya. Libya is still a tribal country.
5: And, and you're not right. talking about a civil war between Gaddafi and no, the, rest of the country no, you're talking about I'm talking about between everyone the opposition
3: else. yes yeah, exactly be- yeah be- exactly because Tripoli uh, Libya is a very tribal country and, and for example Uh, I don't know if any any of you heard, you know, the military leader who was assassinated just before Tripoli. I think you all know about that guy. Yes. Uh, And this guy, his tribe is now threatening that they will go to war against the opposition if they don't bring within the next, I think it's the next two days, the people Mm. who killed the leader, the army leader. So you already are seeing divisions. You are already hmm. seeing people threatening to go, to go to arms and go independent and fight for their own beliefs, whether it's tribal okay. or religious.
1: That's yeah, very interesting. That's really something yeah. that we didn't uh, – we do not get that picture at all here. And I yeah. think, you know and, – and, and of
3: and, course, if we're going to talk about Gaddafi himself, Gaddafi still controls his own hometown – it's still completely mm. under his control. The opposition did not go in yet, and they still are fighting to get it. And he's still how resisting large, very hardly.
1: How large is the pro qaddafi zone in Libya? It's now? A,
3: right now, it's, it's considered uh, very tiny. All mm. right? But uh, it depends on your view. If we're talking about the zone on the city basis, yeah. He, I think he only has two cities left that are fighting in his name. However, if we're talking about region-wise... As far as we know, he could still be controlling 50% of the country. Keep in mind, Libya is mostly a desert and mountains, right. and people where people don't live or there's no access, especially the southern parts, that mm. are far away from the sea. So those parts, as far as everybody knows, they could
1: all be under Qaddafi's control till this day. Right. Okay. Mm. Um, uh, sorry, Jen. Did you want to say something?
0: Yeah. Oh no, no. I just uh, a po- sorry for earlier. I just I had an incoming call and just kind of. Bumped me, but um, no, I mean, what I, I was just sort of echoing what you were saying there, there has been no real coverage about the fact that this is destabilizing um, a fairly um, significant place. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, yeah, we're, yeah, I mean, we're definitely for us, it's the way it's, um, it's re- the picture that we're being shown <coughs> is a unified national transitional council versus the established or the previously established Qaddafi forces. And the only reason that I know how problematic the uh, tribe structure of the country would have been and possibly might be now that you're saying this, Turkey, is because we talked with you. I, my point is mm-hmm. it's not being mentioned at all uh, in the French the, media.
3: The, the reason I think it's not mentioned because they are united not right now, because they have a unified enemy. The enemy right. of my enemy is my friend, and that's what's going on. But as soon as Qaddafi is out of the way, then we need to start worrying about the situation in that country. And, and as Qaddafi is losing power, those uh, divisions are starting to come out slowly. But as soon as he's completely gone, then we really need to worry because we don't know how bad. If if, if the country is blessed, then hopefully nothing of this is going to happen. People at the end of the day will settle and make peace together. But if things go out of control, it's really going to be a very bad time for Libya.
1: Um, Paul, I'm guessing you're, you know, China and Hong Kong are very far away from these uh, questions. But uh, how is it uh, being reported on?
2: Well, we've gotten some coverage of it here, um, a bit less in mainland China itself, because it's seen as being part of this um, this, this Jasmine revolution. And uh, they were afraid in the mainland that that was going to have some people out in the streets protesting and spark something off there. So sure. they've kind of had to be very careful with the news um, as they've released it. We've gotten plenty of coverage here in Hong Kong, though um the, the 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 most recent thing that's happened that's inter- interesting i think is that they've talked about uh sending somebody from the government from the beijing government to the um i guess they're they're getting ready to have this big un council meeting mm. right um and you know china wants to, to be a part of that but it's it's weird because they they've they've said that they recognize the I, I forgot how they worded it. They recognize the choice of the Libyan people uh, or whatnot. But at the same time, they can't be too too pro uh, the movement of because they, they have to have the opposition role in, in the UN. That's sort of like their de facto role um, against France and the United States and uh, the UK. But also because I don't think they really want to be supportive of a movement that they could see spring up in their own country. Yeah. Um, And so, but at the same time, they're very interested in the resources there. They have a strong need for energy, be it from uh, Libya or from Iran or from Iraq or Afghanistan. So wherever they can get uh, energy and resources, they're willing to do what they need to do. Um, And if that means they have to come in and, and, and recognize this new government, as much as they might not like to, um, the, the, they're willing to do that. So, and, and that goes back to a little bit of the history, you know, uh, the founding of the CCP and everything in and of itself was a people power movement. But now, you know, going back to 89 with Tiananmen, um, they've had to distance themselves from anything like that because they themselves don't want to be ousted from power as I'm sure, sure. Gaddafi didn't. I mean, in talking about Gaddafi, too, I, the thing that struck me was it was a couple of years ago they had that incident where, was it Scotland released the um, the, the guy who was responsible for one of the terror attacks? in, in, in And they sent him back because remember. he was supposed to be ill, and then it turned out he wasn't yeah, yeah. ill, and everybody was like, oh, this is a deal for resources or something, and it looked really bad. Mm. Um, both for scotland but especially for libya and i think that kind of put the okay. nail in in qaddafi's coffin on the international mm. circuit
3: i, so, I just um, want to point i want to point that uh, it's not that he wasn't ill he is ill but the problem was that he what his ser- he wasn't seriously ill as they thought however right now he is unconscious they did go and visit him at his home he's
1: unconscious and he's near to death okay um the um the oh god i forgot what i was going to say mm. <laughs> something intelligent about china um okay then let's move on to something else right uh china also has a lot of uh a, a lot invested in africa in general They're you know maybe they they are seeing i don't know libya as a potential additional uh, uh investment opportunity also uh, when i say investment i mean you know building factories and uh creating relationships, long-term relationships with the different countries that maybe don't have the resources to um, develop their infrastructures themselves and create them, creating a different market for them, uh, for actually, China.
3: Actually, actually, I think China and Russia are going to ha- struggle in getting into Libya because they already were there during Qaddafi's r- regime. So, right. uh, And they are the ones uh, that lost the most
1: well also what we're seeing now is sort of a um we're also almost maybe that plays into what what we're perceiving as it mostly it's mostly over the battle is mostly over is that a lot of countries are now starting to ask for their due kind of you know we're starting to see people sit down at tables and go like all right what deals can we make? And I'm talking about monetary deals now, you know, mm. uh, gas and things like that. And how are they going to uh, use the resources in Libya? And so that also there, adds to the, you know, they're getting in line, basically. And France is, of course, one of the first are, people in there line. There are because... two,
3: two countries that are on the top of the list, and they took very good advantage, and they won, which is France and Qatar.
1: Oh, Qatar also?
3: Yeah, Qatar was one of the first uh, countries to recognize them, and it was one of the first countries to provide them with weapons. Mm. And it's the first country that struck a deal. Qatar is officially now their marketing arm for their oil, for the opposition oil, Oil. since the day they took over Benghazi.
1: Um, All right, we could talk about this for a long time. Just one other thing, maybe another question to Paul. Um, I might be completely... Of you know any kind of reasonable thinking here But how is How do the Chinese Maybe not so much Hong Kong But to your knowledge uh, Mainland China See the Middle East The Arab countries And you know um, maybe Northern Africa Are they sort of part of the Western world in general Or are they considered something different You know a, a different uh, part of the world completely or is it everyone outside of asia and maybe even china itself is just the outside and they're someone else and we don't really
2: differentiate yeah um you know it, it, i don't i don't have a lot of experience in discussing um africa specifically with you know people i know and and, and friends i have in the mainland but for sure the mainland is a, is a of prime importance because of the resources. But I think yeah. that a lot of and people look at... To be at...
1: fair, I, I'm putting you on the spot here because you are in yeah. Hong Kong and, you know, you don't um, really have...
2: I mean, I, a lot the, to... the, the the person who's probably, that I know that's probably the biggest expert on this is um is Eric Olander from uh, yeah. France 24 because he's specialized both in China and, and African, and you know, that, that relationship between the two yeah. countries. And I've talked with him a couple of times, you know, on this subject, and he seems to agree that it's, you know, it's really what what 's in it for china is is the biggest thing on china 's mind you know so they're there um they're they're specifically after resources they're not looking to make policy they're not looking to do nation building and this mm-hmm. is sort of a really different approach from a lot of the western powers and so when we look at what's going on in Libya, I think it's going to be very interesting because if this new you know coalition government comes together and is and is able to you know, sort of keep things under control, then it'll be very good for, um, you know, France and, and the Western powers in general, because of the support that uh, the UN has has provided. But if it's going to be very factional, and I think it will be, because there's not going to be any boots on the ground, from what I understand. And I think Turkey's right, you know, that you're going to have all these different tribes wanting their piece of the pie. And, the, you know, the, the biggest resource in Libya, for sale is going to be oil. So who's going to control that? And Mm. I could see a lot of infighting happening. And of course, China's not really going to care. They're just going to make the deal with whoever is going to be in power and whoever will deal with them. Mm. And if there's not a stable government, that that will work more in uh, China's interest. And you've seen that in other deals that they've had with other countries like Iran and, and other parts of Africa as well.
5: Now, Um, How does does that differ? Because I mean, America, for America it seems like we we want to make a stable government so that we can ensure deals that that you know that go in our favor so how does how does having an
2: unstable government uh help china well i think it i think it just it you know they'd you know i don't want to make it seem like china's government's totally evil but they can <laughs> go in and they can you know basically strip mine resources out they don't have to worry about things like wages and child labor laws and and all of the other morale issues that well, moral issues that a Western government, particularly democratic governments, would need to be aware of or to be uh, taking watch of. And I mean, one of the things and we, we may talk about it later, that's really big news right now in China is, of course, Apple and their contacts with factories in China. And uh, are those factories you know, polluting and, and things like that. It's the same kind of thing. I think that, you know, when the U.S. is involved, I mean, if you look at all the things that are coming out now about Iraq and, and things that have come out in the past with um, companies like Halliburton and the deals they've done, have they been fair? Are they fair mm-hmm. to the Iraqi people? If you're dealing with a government that's a dictatorship that's just there to make money for themselves and China's just interested in getting resources, you don't have to go through all those moral niceties. Right. Um okay, one last
1: question to Turkey maybe, uh, actually to everyone, but um there's is there a, a view um that the reason that the insurgents are Winning are are sort of uh, I don't want to say winning anymore because Turkey is going to yell at me, but
3: uh, um. <laughs> are they <laughs> winning? It's just a matter of okay. uh, how much are they winning.
1: So the re- it's the reason that they're winning. Uh, I I guess how, mu- how much how how much is NATO involved in that, and how what's the the how uh, big did is NATO's role in their victories. Because there's definitely uh, uh, I could definitely see uh, some some uh, countries or media saying, "Well, you know what it's, it's it is a, a grassroots movement, but really it's the NATO pulling the strings. Is that the case at all or
3: oh uh, definitely, definitely. Oh, okay. they would have zero chance without the NATO." Well, NATO NATO. But we're not talking about NATO troops,
1: right? We're talking about no, no, no. NATO air
5: resources. Oh, okay. No, but I mean. W- air.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, this is. Uh, I, I think everyone agrees on that, but is that. Is anyone saying th- this is the NATO pulling the strings, not just the NATO helping and enabling them?
3: Uh, NATO is the, a basic fact in this entire resistance and this entire war. NATO has provided the air cover, they protected them from all the air air force, the Libyan air force, they protected them from uh, all these tanks, everything. NATO was a major force. If NATO did not interfere in that war, those rebels had zero chance of doing anything. And if you remember, the Gaddafi troops were closing on Benghazi. They were almost going to enter. That's when NATO decided to interfere and that's when Gaddafi started losing. And yes, also, on, on on the ground level, now, I'm not sure of these facts 100%, but these are what I'm hearing. Both uh, France and Qatar had uh, people on the ground guiding the rebels mm. in
1: the war. Yeah, no, I guess, I think no one is disputing this, but in in France, for example, it's being mentioned in passing. Of course, you know, NATO is helping. I'm asking whether or not this is viewed as a bad thing, you know, this is NATO putting their nose where they it, where it shouldn't be. I don't think it would be the case because even though they're enabling the uh, the revolution, you know, the insurgents, not the insurgents, the the NTC, let's call it, um, th- they there is still, you know, it's the people rising up against the dictator, which I don't think anyone would criticize too strongly, um, but. I guess, are some people still doing that? Are they saying NATO should not have intervened?
3: Uh, and then um, Basically in the Middle East, most of the people have no problem with it, basically because everybody thinks that Qaddafi uh, was a crazy, uh, okay. blood-loving, whatever, psychotic person, so the majority don't really worry about that part, especially okay. since there were no ground troops. However, um, definitely mm-hmm. there must be some of those
1: minority who support Gaddafi and uh, are anti-NATO. So this is sort of a momentous event. It, it seems that at least, well, not, maybe not the whole world, but the majority of the world is united in this specific event in saying that, you know, this is a good thing. So mm. um, I guess we can, we've talked uh, quite a bit about this already. Let's, Talk very quickly. Take a wider view and um, talk about Syria, because you know Ben Ali and um, Mubarak and now, uh, Gaddafi. You know, is Assad next? And if he he he, he gets ousted, uh, I guess it's just. Uh, uh, Kim Jong Il left as the crazy dictator person who oppresses their people.
0: Um, Remember that old axis of evil?
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was it's uh, Bush uh, doing things in the background that we don't know. Maybe, not. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we we're sort of stuck in the nitty gritty of the situation now, but of course there are also a lot of people and media sort of trying to take a step back as things are still happening and saying, holy crap, this is an incredible, incredible thing that's happening in the world right now. Um, what it, And, and um, it seems that people are getting a lot more serious on Syria also with a, um, a decision being made to uh, block the... Um, basically, once... Italy's deal r- runs out on uh, on oil. Once Italy's deal runs out in uh, November, uh, there's a block blo- uh, block blockus. Uh, how do you say it? Blockade. Uh, blockade, blockade on yeah on uh, on oil with Syria, which is going to be a big problem for uh, the government. And the 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 most incredible thing is that, unlike Libya, where there are actually armed forces. Uh, Fighting the government's forces In Syria They're just demonstrating Getting killed And they keep doing it They've been doing it For months and months And it's actually threatening um, The the government of uh, uh, Assad So this is also Kind of an amazing uh, development And quite frankly I didn't think it was going to last As long as it did uh, As it has until now It might even get to the same point That the others have Um, At least that that's my view, and that's, I think, the view that uh, the media is taking. It's like uh, sort of bewildered and at the same time hopeful that it might actually work in Syria too. Um, let's let's go back to Turkey and quickly ask um, what the view on Syria is for you guys. Um,
3: and Saudi Arabia actually uniquely for the first time, actually took an official position on, the, on Syria. Yeah. And the Saudi king actually did give a speech where he condemned Syria and withdraw the Saudi ambassador from Syria. Well, demanded- I think everyone's condemning them now. There, there's- well, you see, the condemning if, uh, for Saudi Arabia, that's a big deal. Okay. Saudi Arabia is very well known that it's the quiet type. They usually sit on the side until the last moment before giving any decision. The fact that Saudi Arabia actually went ahead on using the king A speech from the king condemning Syria and withdrawing the ambassador is a huge deal. And I think that's a huge support for any other governments. And it actually got the support. It led uh, to many other governments that were sitting on the side to support Saudi's positions against Syria, especially in the Gulf countries. So it was a big deal. And uh, I think the reason behind that, because as you said, these are pure demonstrations. There were no weapons. And they were being massacred like crazy, and that's just one thing. And they still are, and they are still refusing to to fight back. They still believe that they should demonstrate; it should be a peaceful demonstration, and they don't want to kill each other. So that's gigantic, and that's really making a big deal right now in Saudi, and it's going to make a big deal in the position against Libya, uh, Syria, and Syria is officially whether it's it happened or not. And since even though it's not happened. The Syrian
1: government has lost, and it's going down sooner or later. Okay. Uh, uh, Assad is not the crazy madman that Qaddafi is, though. So is there also the, uh, you know, the the popular, uh, um, Uh. uh, is also the population behind that uh, condemning of Syria?
3: Well, Qaddafi, might, uh, uh, Bashar Assad might not be the crazy, psychotic guy like Gaddafi, but I think what his uh, troops are doing have just changed that image dramatically, and mm. that's what people now see him see him as a crazy, a blood-sucking maniac. And uh, on my personal opinion on this matter, and as far as I can understand from the internal affairs of Syria, I, I think even Bashar Assad is not the one who's doing all of this. He's just a puppet
1: in front of entire world and his regime is the one performing all of Mm. these definitely in france it seems like a few months ago he was sort of like the the you know the quiet guy who was the dictator but the quiet dictator not raving lunatic but now with with what's happening now it seems that uh, there's incredulity i guess everyone is is looking at this thinking what is he doing? everyone is condemning it? All his partners are you know running away and don't want to have anything to do with him, and still he's continuing we 're not getting this you know puppet um, image of it at all we're just seeing him as the person bullheaded who wants to to the end uh keep doing the thing and sort of there there's no It's sort of, it sounds silly to say there's no reasoning in it, but. uh...
3: Well, you have to look at the the, the reason I said that he, he he was more like a puppet is you have to look at what he talks. When he talks, he talks the talk. He's actually talks some good talk, and he's demand, requesting change, and he mm. lifted the so called uh, emergency law and uh, terrorist yeah. law and all of that. And and he's doing all the right words. However, his well, which people,
1: is what <laughs> all the other dictators did in the past few months. No,
3: no, no. The other dictators were completely different than him. He was. More more willing, he was more straightforward, and uh, more interested in doing the change. The mm. other dictators were less, more quiet, and they only start talk when they're really, really desperate. Uh, he was, mm. he started talking when he was even less desperate than the others. I guess uh, he, he was taking more of an, an initial. And he is just an eye doctor. Like he's, he was never prepared to be a ruler. Uh, the real uh, ruler was supposed to be his brother who died in a car accident a long time ago. So this guy, uh, and I'm only saying this from my personal point of view, I'm saying from what I see and from what I know of him, as far as we know, he could be the person who's giving those orders directly for all these massacres. But but personally,
1: I doubt that. I think he's just a puppet who's being played by his regime. Mm, And he's sort of losing... uh... losing touch maybe not losing touch but he's not really managing things the way they that he would want... Things are not going the way he, want, he would want them to go, or...? Yeah, I don't think the, the things are the way he would want them to go. Mm. However, he is
3: a blood-sucking bastard as long as he's just sitting there and not stopping okay. it. So okay. whether he's doing it or not, the question is he's sitting there and he's not condemning it or stopping it. So okay. it doesn't really matter whether he's doing it or not at the end of the day.
5: It's a very romantic view of him.
1: Which one? <laughs> what do you mean?
5: Well, Turkey's Turkey's view of him is very, you know, mm. I mean, you see the, the idea. I mean, that's like movie of the week right there. You know, I mean, like as far as like, mm. you know, who, you know, but we don't know. All we see is him and all we see is the action of the regime as his actions. So there's really no way to tell the difference, I think, other than, as you say, the difference between the actions and what he says. But I, Which I don't
0: reflects on the regime more than it reflects. on. I mean, mm. it reflects on him. Um, I mean, what I've noticed was that there was there seemed to be, I don't know, was it a couple weeks ago, it seemed like, oh, things might be calming down because he was saying all these things. Oh, rest assured that this crackdown is over. But then, yeah, the the exact opposite sort of happened and things have been getting worse and flaring up and there's more of a crackdown going on is it even going through the holiday. Um, but it just strikes me that, um, yeah, it, it, that doesn't change the reflection of him. It still mm. reflects badly on him no matter what.
2: Yeah. yeah. I think Turkey needs to get in touch with Quentin Tarantino and get him to work on a movie called Bloodsucking Bastards.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he would do it too. Um, all right, so John, um I guess since the the since Libya sort of took a backseat to other news, I'm sure Syria was barely mentioned.
5: Uh, here and there, but yeah, I mean, it definitely, it, it definitely was behind Libya, and just you know, it, it, again, you you go through when you watch the news, it's they'll ramble off, uh, you know, uh, it's like in other news, you know, yeah. these five things happened, and but we're going to go back and
1: talk about this now. Here's our panel, right? I, you know, it's it's only fair too. I mean, Syria things are are <laughs> still in that lull period where things are repeating they're similar every week and uh i'm sure you know people who are actually there on the ground demonstrating and dying are would disagree but when you're far from the situation it's sort of the same story every week i also Um, think it's the
5: symptom of how television media works um Mm. you know in, in television media you have you know you have everything takes time everything is you know um you know, uh, you know, airtime versus print media, it's it's there. It's a tangible thing sitting there that anyone can read at any moment. So I think that there's probably a big difference. I'm sure if you looked at the amount of written articles about Syria and things like that, there is probably a lot more information out there. But as far as the ease of information, what's coming through the television media, um, I think, you know, they they pick their they pick their sure. importance, the the things that they're going to expand upon, and that's uh, that's much smaller than uh, than you would see in in print. Yeah. Turkey, uh, you
3: were going to say I, something. I, I was going to say that I think the biggest people who are being affected by Syria and their image is being really destroyed are Hezbollah and Lebanon. Uh, Hezbollah has been very strongly supporting the Libyan government on it during its crackdown. And that's just spreading. Oh, really? Spreading. You mean in, in yes. the
1: past few weeks and months?
3: Yes, yes, exactly. Last mm. speech I think from the leader Hassan Nasrallah was, I think, last week, if memory serves me right. And he was very supportive of the Libyan government. And he was being so hypocritical about the people rising in Libya and then Syria, sorry, Syria, and, compared, and the other countries. And it's just unbelievable that people are actually now seeing the real face of Hezbollah. The real truth behind it. And, it's, it. and it's been big news.
1: So you mean that the people in the Middle East are seeing this and taking it for, you know, condemning Hezbollah because of that stance yes. that they're taking? Yes,
3: yeah, they are people who believed in Hezbollah, not all of them, but uh, many of them who believed in Hezbollah mm. are now seeing Hezbollah as an anti-democratic terrorist organization.
1: Wow, that's quite a, a strong, a, an interesting change. I mean, what hmm. do you expect? Okay. These
3: are people who are not carrying any weapons and he's supporting the government in its crackdown and sure. calling that they have the right to crack down against these uh, uh-huh. agents of America in Israel who are hmm. applying to throw down the greatest nation who is fighting Israel, Syria and his government. And apparently he supported the Libyan movement against Gaddafi, and even though... That movement was clearly supported by the U.S. and NATO. Mm. Right. So, so, well, he suppo- yeah, he guess. supported that movement, but he's against mm. this movement. And there's no proof that the, any Western country has anything in bo- to do with this movement in Syria.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, the the motives are are quite transparent. Obviously, Syria yes. has been, you know, supporting Hezbollah in uh, in Lebanon for years and years, and they have been, yeah. you know, they've had eyes on Lebanon. I mean, basically. It's not a secret to to anyone. I was born in Lebanon and had to leave because of the war when I was very very yeah. small. So, I, I've always, it's it's not very clear to everyone, of course. But it's it's well known that Syria has wanted to take back or to take Lebanon um, mm-hmm. for a long time. And, and and of course, Syria
3: is is is, the, is where the Iran uses uh, to mm. smuggle its weapons to
1: Hezbollah and of all course. of its support. Um, yeah, but that's yeah. It's it's. I would have thought that at this point Hezbollah would have shut up because you know it would be the smart thing to do. It, yes, no, it's a, it's no, a terrible... no. He went
3: he went out in public in a speech mm. on TV and condemned all of this uprising in Syria and supporting the Syrian government.
1: Well, to be fair, I mean, if you want to take the other side of, of the, the issue, for Hezbollah, if, if uh, Assad falls, it's a, it's horrible. Uh, horrible, I mean, it's a, it's, it will make their um, operations very, very difficult. So you could understand why he would go out and try and do something in support of, uh, of the regime. Yeah, but Obviously. he
3: is uh, going against all what he claims he is for. Mm.
1: And the the hypocrisy is the yeah. thing that is. I mean, it's difficult to not draw a parallel between uh, the Palestinian population in Israel and you know basically fighting against oppression, uh, or at least that's their rhetoric, and the rhetoric of the Syrian people who are also fighting against oppression. So I can see how if you condemn, if you don't condemn the Syrian government's action, it would seem extremely hypocr- uh, hypocritical. Yeah. Mm. Um, all right, Jen, and and then Paul about Syria quickly, and then we'll move on because it's been an hour already. Oh gosh, wow. Um,
0: no, I, I, so, or the, not quickly. Whatever. That's okay. <laughs> the coverage has been it has been spotty. It's been a, a lot of just sort of um, a, a while. A, like a few weeks ago, it seemed like it was quite heavy coverage and then things seem to calm down and then i've noticed just this past week things seem to be flaring up again there's sort of a, a feel of a ticking time bomb um like like something big is going to happen that's sort of the sense i get mm. from some of the coverage just there's a lot of if this happens going on in the coverage right. um mm. uh but other than that it has definitely been taking a bit of a backseat, and now is coming back uh mm. around these parts
1: yeah, I guess it, it feels like we're reaching in the coming weeks and months, the conclusion of that whole, uh, Jasmine revolution, um, mm-hmm. thing. So well, let's hope it, it does happen.
0: On to um, the next Middle East crisis, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the other, maybe we can talk about this a little bit, um, afterwards, but the, the sort of post party wake up Difficult day is going to be the realization for a lot of uh, Western countries that now that the dis- dictators aren't in place anymore, it will leave you know the the field wide open for the um, Islamist uh, Islamist uh, uh, ideologies to take hold, and uh, that might become a problem in the coming uh, the coming months. And Jen is, uh, running away, uh, running around in, uh,
0: amongst trucks. Sorry. Yeah. That just, um, I, I had to go change the laundry. No worries. Just, I need to turn that off. Um, <laughs> no problem. No problem.
1: Um, so yeah, Paul, uh,
2: Syria, anything, I guess, again, similar to John, if, if yeah, Libya was pretty much the, the same. Um, if you hunt around for it, you can find yeah. it. But if you're just watching like the half hour evening news, it's not really showing up much. Mm.
1: John, anyone in the US pointing out the fact that uh, this might become, you know, this might spawn. Uh, Islam- when I say Islamist, obviously I'm not talking about. Uh, Regular Islamist regimes, uh, you know, Muslim regimes. I'm talking about uh, extremist regimes. Any anyone pointing out that this is now a possibility in the coming years?
5: Probably, if you watch Fox News, um, but to, uh, yeah.
1: I'm sure that's the that's the general
5: narrative. But hmm. it's, I mean, for the most part, I mean, there's always the concern of of what's going to happen in those countries. Um, you know, as As governments are being overthrown and, and one, uh, you know, a dictatorship leads into, into what? Um, right. But I, I don't, I don't think the, I think the narrative in the mainstream media here or the, I don't know, maybe it's the liberal media, whatever you want to call it, um, is, is mostly focused on, on just the uprising and, and just Mm. the, the populist sort of movements. Um, and, you know, a lot of comparison to, you know our own issues and populist movements in the United States and things like that um but How so? uh, um well just in terms of there there's a lot i mean political turmoil here there's been a lot of of big sweeping government you know mm. actions on state levels uh and um a lot of you know uh, union rights issues and and things like that coming up and and a lot more movement uh in in terms of like on the democratic party side um mm-hmm. and 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 so there's there's a i think there's more of a a connection in terms of you know the you know thinking of it as the average person just standing up for what they believe in finally versus okay. letting things just go past so i mm. i don't think most of us are sitting here thinking you know uh afraid of you know the regimes that might come out of that but i mean it's always a uh, you know it's an unknown and it's a definite concern but i don't think it's in the the mainstream sort of uh dialogue Okay.
2: I think, one, too, one of the big things that's coming out of this is, I mean, it's still playing out because we still got to see where it's going to go, is that um, if this new government's able to, to take hold in Libya and, you know, work things out successfully without, you know, falling down into a, a big civil war, it's really going to reflect back on sort of the Bush doctrine and the approach to having troops go in and and take control of situations and and i think it's really going to put that in a completely different light and you've you've already got so many people in the states you know when i call back to my family and and things they're talking about now about the big budget deficit and and all the money that's been spent over the past uh, decade to do things like you know have all these troops overseas to show that you know, that a country could sort of, you know, it, obviously they did need help from from the U.N., but to be able to take control of their own destiny, if you will, and take things you know, into their own hands and not have having the need of foreign troops on the soil is going to really put uh, sort of the unilateralist policies that America's had in a different light. I think that's well, I
1: think. Oh, oh, go ahead.
5: I, th- I, mean, I think there's a very interesting uh, thing that's coming out of this. I think the idea that if if we can, if the world can show that the world as a whole can sort of help itself versus America helping the world, you know, what I, you know, th- this stupid idea that uh, America has to be the one to come in and save everybody and and put all you know our troops in their country to 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 save them from themselves, the idea that you know. That NATO, that the the United Nations uh, can act as sort of a, I mean not a governing body, but act as sort of uh, a a brother to to the, its members and say you know look this needs to stop and helping out where they can but not mm. forcing things. Um, I think that's a good kind of stance moving forward and a good change in these sort of dynamic. Um, Uh, Of the world. But I mean, it doesn't often take much. I mean, if you look at Afghanistan, how many how many troops did it take us to pretty much to to topple um, the Taliban regime? It took a lot. No, hundreds at first. Like at first it took hundreds. We pretty much went in and took care of it. And then
1: Mm.
5: then we turned our eyes to Iraq. Then we then we said you know then we went off complete, you know, completely completely. Well, I think off it was rails. more
1: than hundreds in, in Afghanistan in the beginning, but uh, yeah, things things really did went uh, you know off the rail when when Iraq was the, the became the focus. But I mean, to to be fair, and I'm you know people know that I'm sort of liberal, so <laughs> it's not like I'm being. Uh, a friend to the bush administration in general but it's not like yes the u.s has taken that stance in the past few years in the past you know 50 years or more even but in it they are doing it now because they can and every country every western country today has done that at some point in the past i mean colonies are not something new and that's sort of are you okay jen we're yes. I just had to story. plug my phone in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, everyone's done it. It's not just the U.S. And it always irks me a little bit when you have this, this, you know, oh, my God, look at what the U.S. are doing. Yes, it's bad. And, and they probably shouldn't have done it with the – Afghanistan is a different story, but Iraq definitely and things played out in a way that is, makes it clear for everyone. But it's not like the other countries, France and, you know, the U.K. and others – are completely innocent in that philosophy uh, and have been innocent historically, so it's easy to throw, you know, to th- cast the first stone. Um, but definitely, what what you guys are saying is something that hasn't really been discussed all that much, and the sort sort of the disproving of the Bush Doctrine um, hasn't been dis- discussed yet. Too much, I would say, and maybe it's because things are still playing out. But I guess this very long uh, uh, introduction is there for my question: Are these things actually being discussed in the U.S.? John, are, are as as Paul was saying uh, when he mentioned his family, are people discussing the fact that this disproves the Bush Doctrine I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I,
5: I don't. I don't think it's in the in. Uh, in the mindset, I mean, it's something that comes to mind for me just talking about this, and mm-hmm. and I'm sure it comes to mind to s-
1: certain people, but it's. I mean, you were talking about the the gigantic deficit in the budget, um, which obviously is being discussed. Yeah. Is no one saying, "Hey, guys, we, you know, we spent a lot of money waging this war"? A few oh, years ago?
5: that's the. I mean, the the two sides of our deficit issue are that you know. We have this deficit, and it's all the fault of the Democrats, uh, and they're spending on everything, so we need to cut spending on, you know, social programs, and then, you know, we need to cut taxes on businesses, and that will magically fix things. And then the other side of it is, you know, the we need to cut and pull out of the war and save all this money and focus on ourselves. And uh, and we need to, if you know, we need to spend money, but spend money investing in our own country and investing mm-hmm. in our infrastructure and investing in our you know our, our jobs. But while while reducing, you know, our the the sort of massive overblown
1: defense mm-hmm. uh, machine that we've built. Um, it's and, sort of mind blowing that that when you look at the percentage of the money that is spent and the money that has been spent in the past 10 years, how can anyone come to any other conclusion? than defense is the thing that has been eating the budget. It's because the, the, the,
5: the, the fear mongering still exists. I mean, politically it it still works Mm -hmm. um, for at least, you know, a certain part of the country. And so the, the fear has turned from, you know, the the idea that if you if you half of the equation is that you have if you were to say, you know, we should cut defense, then you're not then you're not protecting the country and you're not against strong. Whom? Well, that's this is the problem. There is the, the there is no one to protect the country against. I mean, we've you know, all the things that we protected us against have been protected by. Agencies that existed long before 9-11 and the mass amounts of of defense infrastructure we've built post-9-11 has – not actually been the the major component in protecting us Mm. and so it's just you know huge
1: amounts of wasted money huge amounts of wasted money in iraq um you know but i I mean even beyond that at this point of course terrorism is not dead obviously and it's probably not going to be dead for a very long time it's still going to be there in the air somewhere but you know it, it seems like there aren't at this point this you know very minute it seems like there aren't any major global threats to used to instill fear and how can you it's
5: it's not it's it because the fear has changed you know that's been so set in for so long that the fear mongering has now shifted to the economy Mm -hmm. and and so the the fear mongering is that you know it's all it's it's everyone arguing this you know two different sides of the same issue now it's all about the economy and all about job creation except that you know one side is saying that you know that in order to create jobs we have to we have to give money to corporations and Mm. the other side is saying that in order to create jobs we have to give money to people Mm. so it's and and there's no way to prove one side or the other necessarily right or wrong except by letting you know letting one of the other happen and the problem is is neither side will let
1: anything happen and we're completely gridlocked to the point where Mm. we're
5: going to take each other's out
1: all right um i don't know how that Spinned into a a conversation about the U.S. economy, but uh, well, I have, I, I
5: have a, a u- solution for the U.S.
1: Oh my God! Okay, yes. Go ahead. Wait, wait. Can
5: I put my tin hat on
1: first? <laughs>
3: Dude, just get the third party, for God's sake! <laughs>
0: you keep trying yeah.
1: for some <laughs> reason. Poor Ralph Nader. Maybe is there Are there enough people getting sick of everything that they would vote for? You know, a third. Uh, person, I I honestly don't know if it would help.
2: Hmm. Um, an, I, unfortunately, the, the yeah the the two parties have the system locked up so tight um, that it's very very difficult for uh, uh, an that, independent that, that, party to come up.
3: Is, is there any other country in the world, a democratic company, where there's only a two party system? I love that you just said a democratic
1: company. That was a very uh-huh. lovely company uh, country, country the democratic we'll slip country. There. Yeah.
3: Um, um, I, it is a company. Honestly, I it, is a, it is basically a company. A government
1: is a company. <laughs> uh, I think in most countries have two major parties, but also many others that have more or less powers. Um, mm-hmm. At least that's the case in France. We have like ten.
5: Well, the view we have now is that the it's it's become less about the majority and more about the vocal minority um, mm. that have. It's been like that for years.
0: It's been like that for years. What what I find interesting is, you know, you're describing these economic conditions and these are not unique to the U.S. I mean, England at the moment is having a, you know, it's everyone saying it's the 80s all over again. Um, I, you know, I'm I'm American. I
1: need to get my uh, bright colored jacket out oh absolutely
0: oh come on you knew that I mean the skinny jeans came back you knew it was going to be (laughs) from then on Um, but you know there's a there's a huge economic crisis going on in in Great Britain as well Um, you know one out of every five young men is jobless at the moment and has no prospects for jobs the unemployment is skyrocketing and um, it's but it's not taking while there is political discussion around it it's not taking nearly the polarizing um, levels that America takes it to in terms mm-hmm. of the the right versus the left and all that kind of stuff. I find that just generally, when you take any sort of American news, you can kind of reduce it to it's the right versus the left based on whatever issue they use at the time to bludgeon each other with. Yep. And mm-hmm. the issue just changes around, but it's never actually about the issues. <laughs> and, I mean, at least in, in the UK, mm-hmm. I... Can see that the while there is, um, you know, at the moment the rhetoric is swinging more towards the right, especially after the riots. There's a lot of, you know, of course, kids yeah. these days need more structure and discipline, blah blah blah. But it's um, which
1: I I sort of guess that you're not really for uh, by the tone uh, well, of your Well, I
0: <laughs> I guess what it is for me is that. Um, I think there's a lot of cultural discussion about what went wrong for these riots and not very much structural discussion about what went wrong Mm -hmm. and what may have led people to this situation and there's a lot of coverage of, there's a lot of sort of um, anecdotal coverage about this rich little hipster who was stealing a TV um, and um, a real uh, um, kind of covering up of some of the larger issues where some people were trying to discuss race issues around it and other stuff and those kinds of things have not been I mean, the the that you heard about the Darkest How interview the that what happened on BBC. Um, Darkest How, who is a, a Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean writer. Um, who was interviewed by the BBC at, right after the riots and he um he went on a diatribe about uh, the race issues that his son was his grandson or his son was facing around a lot of the stuff and that, that people are angry about that and that's a lot of what led to at least where he was a lot of what led to the riots there was a lot of anger hmm. it was um a glossed over interview that you can now no longer see on the BBC actually really? <laughs> yeah um Is so that- there's
1: is that a unique case can you see all the other interviews or um i'm
0: not sure i've been i'm actually just recently come back to the land of actual real internet access there's no reception (laughs) up in (laughs) no 3g reception up in edinburgh whatsoever but um so i had to really dig and dig whenever i was trying to find stuff in general but um But no, I just find it interesting that, you know, what you're talking about in the U.S., uh, you know, it's not a unique condition. these economic conditions are all over Europe and they're all over the U.K., um, yet it's being it's being handled and covered very differently.
5: Well, I think I think because the way our political system works is the we have politicians whose career it is to get elected. I mean, that's yeah. that's their job is to get elected. So, it, you know, historically, it's been social issues, abortion, you know, things like that. Stuff that cannot and will not ever be resolved will be sort of an eternal, ongoing well, fight.
1: Wait, you've already said two things that I strongly disagree with. I think you have, like many of our listeners, I'm sure, the skewed views, the skewed view of the, of, of the U.S., um, you know, system in france our politicians uh, job is also to get elected and they do uh, it not all the time of course but they do manage to talk about the issues it might be unnerving the way they do that but they still do and they actually talk semi-constructively not just Mm -hmm. you know as you were saying bludgeoning each other with the with the issues and also when you're saying it will never get resolved Again, I think that's a, a view of that's been built by the extreme polarization that these politicians practice. Because, well, that's in my In other point, countries, that, right? they, I mean, they, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, it,
5: it's it, you know, my point is that these issues are used to polarize, are used mm. to garner vo- votes, and the they're issues that don't necessarily affect, you know, historically affect everyone's day to day life. Mm. The fight over abortion. Does not affect every single person in this.
0: How much of this do you think is being driven by the politicians, and how much of it do you think is being driven by the media?
5: Well, that's always a, 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 <laughs> a big, either yeah. a symbiotic relationship <laughs> or parasitical relationship, whichever you prefer. But um, I mean, that's it's it's you can't you can't pull the two apart. Unfortunately, um, mm. but you know, it
1: it's really it really strikes me every time how much. How socially, how do you make these issues into such deal breakers? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting a little bit uh, rattled <laughs> here because the, basically the sky is falling on Paris. There's a gianting storm and all oh, of a wow. sudden it's uh, – sorry. So h- how do these issues get built into these enormous – Problems for people when most of them Really don't affect their daily lives All that much and you know Because for example the the big issues Death penalty, abortion uh, Gay marriage, things like that In mm-hmm. France and you know Granted France is is a different Kind of place but I would say all over Europe Maybe even <laughs> anywhere but the US these issues are important And they are being discussed But you're not going to you know stab your your friend in the head if you disagree with him you just you know talk about That's it fine, and, Patrick, you know.
2: you've been both to utah and uh, las vegas from what i hear so you should know the difference right <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you know how
1: how is this turned into such a Gigantic problem how is it i, the-
5: I don 't have an answer for that patrick i mean it's it's the the amount of extreme the amount of political extremism and the amount of amount of polarization that has happened in this last decade uh in America and culminating right now is is I don't have an answer for it. Um, I just have an, you know, the observation of what's happening mm. and, and the fact that the the issue has changed. The issues are certainly still there of abortion and gay rights and things like that and, the, and, and sort of the, the, the religious social engineering side of things. Um, but the main issue that they cannot escape and that, they are, that politicians are forced to deal with is the economy. And mm. so that has become the engine of fear and that has become the the, the force
1: moving forward for the 2012 elections. Mm. And well, I guess at least the economy is an actual issue, you know, it's mm. something that yeah. needs that's to be my point.
5: About. That's the interesting yeah. thing is that it's gone beyond things that are mm. not likely to get agreed upon or solved mm. versus something in onto something that has to be resolved. Mm. The, I mean, we have to fix this or else the world is going to drastically change. You know um, and you know we you know every country has to deal with this issue right now, and we 're all kind of affecting each other and and but the problem is is these issues are better for politicians if they never get resolved
1: historically you know the, I, yeah, they they you know, they know it 's an extremely cynical view of of the of the world but okay. but i mean you know
5: if if if, no, I agree. If, the entire, I agree. if yeah. the entire world or the entire country suddenly, you know, if, if all of America suddenly agreed that abortion was okay and that gay marriage was okay, then or that it wasn't, well,
1: you know, we don't want to be
5: well, right, one way or the other, then we wouldn't have anything to argue about anymore. And how would politicians? What would they choose? I mean, obviously they're gonna, you know,
1: we're gonna find <laughs> something to argue mm-hmm. about.
0: They'd actually have to get down have. to the nitty gritty and actually run things. Or
1: maybe they could uh, make up other issues, like should people clip their uh, fingernails? or, you know, stuff hey, like Hey, look,
5: people need to clip their fingernails.
1: I strongly it, disagree. Damn it, uh, I think... Patrick. <laughs> well, actually, I, I'm having a hard time finding arguments against uh, fingernail clipping, so <laughs> maybe that won't be the one. All right, you know what? We've, we've, we're an, almost an hour and a half in. Oh, my God. Um, so maybe we can... Make this show a sort of uh, Libya-Syria special with a side of uh, U.S. economics, which, quite frankly, <laughs> affects yeah, the rest it, of the cut world. Cut half and, and, and release two. <laughs> You're covered for a couple months now. Uh, I've done that too many times already <laughs> with other shows. Um, but you know, we, there, there are other things we could talk about. Most notably, the um, uh, special report from the UN about the uh, uh, y- raid. The raid on mm. the Gaza strip last year which is making lots and lots of noise but i think you know we probably will Keep that for another time, and I'm sure you know Turkey being pissed off. I mean Turkey, the country, not the love. <laughs> um, although I'm sure he's well, also know, he pissed is, off. Yeah, generally, yeah. I, I would be surprised. He's <laughs> an um, angry, angry man. That yeah. that will have ramifications That's for. That he's come go on, go shopping, right? me, me, guys,
4: come
3: on. <laughs> Got a so cucumber? Nice. We don't need to buy
1: cucumbers.
3: <laughs> Seriously, who needs to go shopping? You just pick up the phone and order fast food. Do come you have Amazon?
1: Do you have Amazon in? Uh... <laughs> In Saudi Arabia.
3: <laughs> no, dude, all the restaurants deliver here. You want oh, Burger King, McDonald's, Turkey's pizza, <laughs> Domino's Pizza,
1: whatever you want, they just deliver. Um, I'll, it's not I'll, delivery, it's du jour now. Oh, you have. <laughs> oh, sorry? Nothing. It was a, I, I got an got American
3: that. joke about some right. advertisement they have there about <laughs> pizza.
1: Who delivers, you said, turkey?
5: Everybody delivers.
1: No, but you said the brand of pizza. Was it Domino's or.
5: Dominos. Oh, no, Domino's. Oh. He yeah, he said Dominos. I said to oh, Okay. Yeah.
0: Which is like the it's a home baked pizza that you buy mm. in the supermarket and it's uh, supposed to be as good as delivered.
1: Ooh. Hey, well, that's that's high standards. It. There are,
0: Burger, there are... Day,
1: Burger King and McDonald's delivers in this country. Holy, I want to go live in in Saudi Arabia actually. <laughs> yeah. There was there well, was they, a, they do that here too in some places that's
5: mostly but that's mostly an
1: urban thing mm. well you know there was there was a huge story that that's the uh, and now for something completely different story that i'm going to do now instead of got, at the end of the show you got to say right
5: patrick <laughs> what and now for something completely
1: different <laughs> <laughs> thank you for saying it for me um that there was actually a huge story which is the Fifteenth time uh, Burger King has been rumored to come back uh, to France because they left the country maybe 15 years ago. And I still remember that me and my friends went to the last uh, Burger King restaurant on the Champs-Élysées before it closed, like a couple of days before it closed, in a sort of ceremonial uh, event to enjoy uh, Burger King (laughs) one last time before it would go away. And 15 years later, it seems that this time it's real and the rumor is is actually founded and they are going to come back to, to the country in the next few months. And I kid you not, I posted this on, on Google Plus and I have had the most amount of replies or close to that I have ever had. People went <laughs> insane. Like- Burger King! <laughs> <laughs> I did. If you were swap the burgers... Burger
3: King is better than McDonald's. I don't it care. Was, I, uh, there were
1: debates. Which one is better? Why do you like – you know, the, the kids <laughs> – Wait, wait do there you have were, Wendy's? <laughs> no, we don't. Oh, my God. I hate oh. Wendy's. Oh, it's horrible. No, I like uh, In-N-Out a lot better. But um, and sadly, I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, there, I, I realized 15 years ago they left. Kids here in, in France, you know, 15, 20-year-olds – don't know what burger king is if they never traveled to mm. another country they don't know so there were people going like so what's the deal with that burger king why is it so good and i was like you will never know until you taste it or it's <laughs> impossible to describe well they
2: picked a good time to come back cuz they got rid of the creepy king oh they did their,
5: uh... yes, yes they yeah. did
2: yeah, yeah. Well, they i did think that thing there. was
3: the most stupid
1: thing ever <laughs> it is kind of silly
2: that is true
5: um, yeah,
3: but French. I, I I have a question: Are 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 you, you know, that picky? Are French that picky that you
1: get Burger King back after Japan? Well, mm. it's it's not actually. The reason why they're coming back is that the demand is huge. Apparently, fast food has been growing a lot in France. I'm sure it's going to make a few people cry around the world. But it's been <laughs> growing a lot, and in in my age group, you know, thirty to. A little bit more um, <laughs> People remember Burger King Very fondly Like they, there's actually an outpouring of of You know Memories and, and Fun and it's just it's, it's become sort of a game You're like Burger King is the best fast food ever And it, it kills McDonald's yeah. every day And it's sort of a so- you know Anyway. So,
3: Patrick, uh, is France now going to be joining the U.S. and Saudi uh, Arabia as a big fat diabetes country? I was – exactly. I was going to ask the same
5: thing. <laughs> this is such a good thing.
1: Well, that's – you know, that's interesting because I, I honestly don't think so because we while we do love our fast food uh, and our burgers, we still are aware of the fact that we should consume them with moderation and – for us, fast food is sort of a separate kind of thing. It's like the, the little indulgence you, you allow yourself every once in a while, even a pizza. But f- when I went to the U.S., I realized that for you guys and, you know, a few of us here are – a few of you guys from are actually from the U.S., you don't consider food in the same way. Like your regular food would be to us considered junk food, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm sure, you know, Jen, who's lived in in London for a while, do you also – did you realize that also, you know, is –
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, The the thing about fast food and junk food and all that kind of thing in America at the moment is that's the food that is the most accessible. Uh, Whereas when you go outside of America, it's quite easy. It's, you know, you go down the high street in London and there's, you know, there's going to be a a green grocer – Every other block, there's going to be a green grocer there selling fresh fruit and veg. And you go down, you get your fresh fruit and veg, and you eat. And that kind of that's not something you see in America um mm. so it's it's very much about accessibility of food quite frankly
1: yeah well um, you know in france the fast food is also very accessible very cheap and a lot but the other easier. stuff is just
0: as accessible though but you you, you have yeah, far, the, so. the good food is far more accessible in france than it is in america like to get a really good tomato in france is mm. lovely it's so easy but in america yeah. it's a bit of a project
1: I, yep. yeah i i i guess that's that's definitely the case but there's also a mindset that is different i mean when you when yeah. you make dinner in the u.s maybe i'm exaggerating here obviously but i'm sort of driving my point um if you buy a pizza ta-da dinner yep you know in here it's not really dinner it's the thing that you do if you can't have dinner and everyone enjoys it and it's really nice because of course pizza is, is delicious but it's not the real dinner right well, yeah.
5: well, well the problem is is in in america we feel like we can't have dinner ever like that's like it's the 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 oh we have no time and uh, oh we have mm. no energy and and it all just feeds into itself cuz obviously the the more you eat fast food, the less energy you have anyway so i mean it's just it's 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 a cycle that I mean even just seeing like you know Jamie Oliver's sort of campaign to try and change that and oh the, my god it, that was heartbreaking. It was it was completely heartbreaking and and the, just the fact that ABC canceled his show I uh, like yeah. it's just so sad mm-hmm. and you know the the idea that we need to educate families and children on how to actually properly eat and just prepare food that's just normal food like yeah. take some here's some squash and here's a piece of chicken and just make it, you know, yeah. instead yeah. of, you know.
0: Well, you know, hating to beat my leftist pulpit here, but again, a lot of this has <laughs> to do with, <laughs> with access to food. Um, mm-hmm. In California, there's communities in California that are breadbasket communities where um, the major, major produce for that supplies the western half of the U.S. is grown out of some out of about four or five different communities in California. And the residents of those communities who are poor Hispanic actually never get to eat that food. And mm. so the way that the, the way that the system is set up right now in America, it does make access to food very difficult if you are not if you're of lower economic classes. And that's why you're going to see all these health issues and obesity, obesity being tied in with economics. Um, it's it's, cultural, it's actually yes, expensive to eat yeah, properly. It is.
2: It is. It is more expensive. Yeah. It's it's, a it's privilege. really
0: it is a, you have to be in a position especially of a privilege.
2: If you look at mm. how they market healthy food, I mean, organic is like usually double the cost of anything in a regular supermarket. Well, you don't even have to go organic. Just
1: buy vegetables. You know, yeah, even well, those. I mean, those, to... I mean
2: go, going to get you know, uh, like like Jen was saying, uh, you know, a fresh tomato, some mm. some greens, and and some some fresh meat to cook yourself. Is going to cost you two or three times what it's going to cost you to go through the drive-thru at McDonald's. Well,
1: I don't know. I went to Sam's Club uh, when I was in the U.S. last <laughs> with Nicole and uh, and Mark. They, they <laughs> See, it, to you, oh, it's, Sam's yeah. to yeah. it's Sam's
0: Club. To us, it's Sam's Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Um,
1: but basically, they they had everything there. You know? They, sure, it might not be the best quality stuff that you'll ever find, but they had it, it, I, but that's just as bad as everything else. It's massively
5: packaged, uh, you oh, know, frozen bulk. lots, all yeah. this bulk stuff. You know, the idea still, of buying in bulk is is, and, and is again, actually makes it worse because it's you know so many preservatives, so, like all these horrible yeah,
1: things that are just. It's it's, to surely it's better than than you know, uh, Taco Bell.
0: Oh, can I tell you something about Taco Bell? As a, I'm as not sure. You know.
1: I went to Taco Bell once and vowed to never speak its name again. And really, I just
0: oh gosh! Well, Taco Bell apparently is coming to England.
1: Oh wow! Okay, I, I know. I, I am. Uh, I now vow to never go to England again.
0: Well, can I? Oh, I. What you see? I have to say, as I, I love Taco Bell. You do. <laughs> and, well, as and, a vegetarian, it was one of the only fast foods I could get for a long time.
5: Wow, I'm uh, flabbergasted.
0: And the vegetarian yeah. side
5: of things, and the like, the well, even just—I mean, their fast food is either just going to make you regret it, or it's actually <laughs> pretty decent. Like, you can actually yeah. go okay on a Taco Bell, really, menu if you know what you're looking for. I must, I if,
1: must have taken the wrong one.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to educate you on Taco Bell at some point I, cause. <laughs> I have to say
1: though, another—I I went to Chipotle um, last time uh, oh, you when know, I was in. in it was fantastic. Oh I my god! Loved I had it. the
5: worst experience there.
1: Oh wow! Okay. I,
5: I regret. It was it was ten times worse for me than Taco Bell. Really? Mm. Oh my yes. god!
1: It was delicious. Chipotle is one of my See, favorites. Those now. types
5: of restaurants you have to measure on the amount of hours you spend in the bathroom after. The <laughs> <laughs> and 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 Chipotle got a five. Five
1: hours or five out of five.
5: Uh, we'll let you imagine okay
1: (laughs) um hey paul what's the the status of fast food in uh in hong kong
2: well uh mcdonald's is everywhere kfc is really big here and in china too um but similar to france burger king was here for a while and then it left Hmm. and it's only recently started to make a comeback
1: and so you've been hearing the cries of all the hong kongese uh, for years until they came back right
2: well, it, it's never really been as popular as McDonald's. I mean, McDonald's and uh, KFC are sort of the dominant right. international chains. They used to have Wendy's Yeah, you're in right. Hong Kong. You know,
1: Burger King is sort of the classy alternative. Yeah, I agree.
2: Um, but <laughs> but that's about it. I mean, there's no. I I would love for them to open a Chipotle over here or even a Taco Bell. <laughs> But well, I, we've all I mean, seen do
5: Demolition you... Man, right? Taco Bell is the only <laughs> restaurant that survives the war, right? Yes. <laughs> there you go with
2: bringing the 80s back again.
1: Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, Paul is is fast food like the the uh, something that people will eat every day, or is it the common thing, or is it because the, Hong Kong the, the, sure the kids it's...
2: will the kids um, the the younger all kids, the kids. T- all teenagers and stuff children They're, yeah they really like it, but the older generations prefer traditional Chinese food, and it's really easy to get good, healthy food here. Mm. They still have traditional markets. You can go and buy um, freshly grown vegetables that some you know, old grandmother's grown herself and mm. take them home and cook them at more, much more cheaply than fast food here. So that culture's starting to change a little bit, but it's still, it's still pretty uh, vibrant right now. So do you, do you have an obesity problem? And I don't mean you personally, but um, <laughs> I met you. I know you don't.
5: How fat yeah. are you? <laughs> it's it's starting to be a
2: problem in China for sure. Um, really, they've got another cultural thing called little emperor syndrome. That's part of the problem too. But um, it is, is starting to be a problem with the kids. Which is they have one kid, so they're like, oh, yeah, eat as much and they as spoil you want. them. Yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: yeah. Mm. You know what we did when we started actually having the problem, which you know, and and this is why I'm sure a lot of Americans not you know, present company excluded, I'm certain, um, a lot of Americans listening to the show are going to go, uh-oh, there goes the socialist again. But one, when we realized how much of a problem it was and when we realized that we had vending machines in all the schools and, and the kids eating a, a sneakers bar three times a day because they were hungry at school, we banned vending machines from school. Yeah. And you socialist problem solved bastard no, well there you go you know how can you go against some, how can you be so far up the uh, you know capitalist capitalism should not be restrained anywhere ever in any situation rhetoric that you would think it's a good thing to give bars of sugar to children in schools and it, well, that's, I, I mean, that's,
5: I mean, for us, the, the, the bigger issue is like the, uh, and I, this is what Jamie Oliver was fighting a lot of, but the, the, the uh, flavored milk issue uh, of, you know, it's like we, you know, all school children are getting fed milk because the milk industry wants to sell more milk. And the only way yep. to get children to drink milk is to fill it with sugar, which completely mm. defeats the purpose of drinking milk. Yeah. Um, you know, and not that even drinking milk is probably all that really good for us anyway. Um, mm, but. Indeed. So it's just you know the, there is the capitalist side of things of you know businesses pushing things and you know getting things in there to get what they need um, which is profit um, but the other side of thing I think for America at least is the fact that we're founded on freedom and freedom means you can kill yourself any way you want mm. live
0: free or
5: die <laughs> mm.
1: no I guess it, it I can understand that you know you're free to. To eat whatever you want because freedom. That's something, you know, a reasoning that I I'm, I can't really get behind it. It's the whole, do you force people people to wear helmets thing, you know? I would say yes, but then I understand that this is me thinking, like, in a different way than people who don't think that way. <laughs> I'm not making sense. You know what I mean? You know, I understand the, the reasoning there. I, I, right. I don't agree with it but at least I understand it it's not something it's still outlandish but it's not something that I would say this is insane it's for me it's just wrong not insane so well anyway Mm. Um, all right we're closing on the one <laughs> hour and 40 minutes mark. So, Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it, it, it's super interesting. I'd, I'd love to go on forever. Um, but let's get, get uh, 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 the mic around the table and ask if you guys have another topic that you want to discuss or at least expose briefly um, to the group and the audience. Uh, and let's start with uh, Turkey. Maybe there's something you want to mention or maybe not
3: um not much going on here we got uh, our eid holidays uh and apparently there was a huge subject that apparently we have this problem every year uh saudi arabia and the muslims in general countries they follow a lunar calendar for uh, religious reasons and mm-hmm. ramadan is a lunar month yeah. and
1: uh, one and which th- th- confuses th- us a lot by the way if you could change that it would be very appreciated
3: I wouldn't have Mm -hmm. a problem with that personally, but apparently Mm -hmm. they don't want to. So uh, the problem is there's this addict, religious addict, that you fast and break fast by seeing the moon, the crescent moon. Hmm. So many countries refuse to follow your science. So someone has to go and come back to the court and say, I saw the moon today. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So... So the real problem is, this year, uh, all the scientific communities declared that it was impossible, impossible, to see the crescent moon after the sunset in Saudi Arabia on, uh, I forgot, the day before the holidays, Mm -hmm. for eight. I think it was on Monday, yeah, to see it on Monday. And apparently some guy came out and he said, I saw it. And he put his, uh, this and the government declared that Tuesday was the eat. And the entire scientific community went crazy and said, that's not possible. <laughs> this guy could have never saw it. We are making a huge mistake. And it was a
1: huge argument for the last week. So wait a second. What should they have done? They should have waited until they actually could see it?
3: And uh, you either – you have to look for it on the 29th day. Uh, so because a, a lunar calendar month is either 30 days or 29 days. So if you get to the 30 days automatically, the day after is the new month.
1: So mm. what if you if you don't see it, then the day after you're done because you know that it's the new month anyway? Yes. Okay. So, so
3: it was a huge argument. It was all over the net, everywhere. It's unbelievable because this guy insists he saw the moon, and everybody in the scientific community said that's impossible. No human being could see that on this day.
1: <laughs> but were they people who were saying, well, he said he saw it, so. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, religion. Mm. You're so funny. <laughs> okay, there would be a lot to discuss there, but I think, you know. It would I devolve into a different topic,
3: and plus we have too much time, yes anyway <laughs> um
1: Paul, anything to you want to discuss specifically
2: um Well, I just mentioned it briefly before. the really big news going on right now is um there's some issues with in northeastern China with um factories and pollution, and there's been some major protests from citizens that have actually gotten the government to take some action. Uh, accordingly and then this has sort of bled into more recent stories about uh, apple and the factories they deal with um mm. being polluters in china and brought apple under the scrutiny of are they you know a responsible company if they're dealing with companies that are um you know not following what would be seen as i guess western protocols mm. and um, you know all that combined with of course steve jobs You know, resigning, and the fact that Hong Kong is getting an Apple store in a couple days has kind of made Apple the hot topic over here of late. Hmm. Interesting. But I,
1: I mean, is it because Apple is a is a big company, or is that something that would become a a problem for any company that?
2: uh, Well, I think I think it's it's just the fact that it's Apple's the pretty much the big biggest kid on the block for technology Hmm. right now um it's it's still
1: weird to even say that apple is a big company i'm yeah yeah for someone who's known i mean i'm
2: sure that if they're if they were to look at other companies doing you know western companies doing business in china Mm. they'd find similar problems it's just that you know apple's the one Mm. to go after sort of like i guess back in the early 2000s when microsoft was having everybody go after him for antitrust this and they're always you know under fire for different things and you know now it's apple's turn i guess mm. okay all right
1: uh jen anything mm. amazing from edinburgh
0: oh edinburgh was fantastic i absolutely loved it um great shows uh you know i'm not sure if it's world newsworthy um <laughs> but <laughs> it was a fantastic time um got to um hang out with a lot of the uh the science skeptic comedian crowd <laughs> and it was really fun um well, wait but...
1: wait what do you mean
0: Oh there's a whole um i mean the fringe if you're familiar how it operates there's sort of um it operates on multiple layers there's sort of the the big fringe which gives you um sort of the big venues, the, the Pleasants, the Assembly, the this is where all the big names come in, and that's the big business part of it. It's rather like a trade show in a lot of ways, mm. um, but it's all big business. Um, and then you've got sort of another layer underneath that of um, sort of where you get all the students coming up and doing their little weird things or their amazing new reinterpretations of Alice in Wonderland that are new and daring and innovative, um, and then that never sell any tickets. And and then there's this <laughs> whole... Um, <coughs> yeah, um... But there's a whole free fringe um, sort of oh, thing wait, that goes what, on. What's,
1: what's the fringe? I'm not sure.
0: Oh, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival?
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I didn't know. So oh, did not... you
0: not know about that? So it's a no. huge theater festival, theater performance, performing arts festival. You can that's call been going on in
2: culture, Patrick.
1: Yeah, I'm a bit
0: surprised, actually. <laughs> actually, I don't. So okay. i don't call myself
2: cultured, oh, i, I so. call yourself <laughs> don't feel bad patrick I when she said fringe festival I... I thought she was talking about the tv series so.
5: <laughs> you're,
3: you're french patrick you're supposed to be
0: it is yes, a huge performing fine. arts festival about twenty-one thousand performers go up to edinburgh and perform over the course of august okay in various things or another um and more audiences ideally as well um and then underneath that, there's this sort of free fringe where you've got comedians doing experimental things, and um, there's a lot of science shows and things like that. It's I don't know. It's it's actually quite an interesting time. Um, but actually, course, I didn't
1: I... know what it was. I was just trying to educate our audience.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. not true. Yeah. Completely disappointed um, in you. <laughs>
0: So uh, basically, uh, when you're in London, um, you know, all all the performers and sort of creatives and all that kind of stuff and all go up to, up to Edinburgh for the month of August, basically, mm. which is why when they left, all of a sudden London fell into riots. And... <laughs> <laughs> Where, where's our
5: actors, damn it?
0: <laughs> and I know, I, I mean, I hate thinking of myself as an actor because i'd like to think i do more in life than just that but Where um, are our
5: artists? Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah anyway um wallers and edward obviously the the big news was the riots um that happened here uh which i guess they're still being unpacked and there's a lot of public forums about them and stuff like that but i don't know um that's rather a larger discussion i think than mm. Yeah, so we can just say that the riots happened. People have lots of different opinions about what caused them and um, what should be done to prevent them. And now it's sort of turned a lot of um, a lot of the eyes towards the youth and um, what are we going to do about our youth. Our youth are, are disaffected. Our youth are disenfranchised and all these other things. Um, and, of course, there's um, different approaches. David Cameron is now deciding that tough love is the way to go. Um, how that plays out, pff, I have no idea. Mm. <laughs> um, but it's uh, still very
1: much being discussed. I mean, here it's sort of, okay, riots are done, fine.
0: It's Next Yeah, it's still very much being, there, there's a large cultural discussion going on. Again, yeah. I find it interesting that a lot of the news ends up, sort of i don't want to say degenerating because it's not really degenerating but it it sort of transforms into culture discussions almost all the time Mm. um and now it is turning into sort of what what do our what do we do with our youth and what's wrong but what's really interesting that i find what i find interesting is that it is really being steered away from the economic discussion around it um because if you overlay a map of the most deprived areas of london and where the riots happened they're a match Um, you know, little things like that, I would think might be worth discussing. but yeah,
1: yeah, sure. I mean, but obviously, obviously the riots are going to happen in the disenfranchised areas. It's not like, you know,
0: Oh no, I agree with that. But what I find interesting is that the, the way that it's part
1: of the discussion,
0: it's not really being part of the discussion. It's, it's being part of, um, it's what's being discussed more is just sort of the attitude of our youth and, um, Mm. How, you know, this sort of our youth have no direction, our youth have no this and that. They're not talking about the fact that our youth have no jobs to go to um, and that kind of thing. Or at least it's being talked about, but it's not being talked about to the level of the sound bites that you hear and the headlines that you see from the politicians.
1: I think our youth should listen to the Phileas Club and then they would improve. <laughs> and realize
5: Patrick knows nothing about culture
0: and go, damn it,
1: we're going elsewhere. Yes. <laughs> uh, John, I interrupted you. Actually, you, you wanted to say something.
5: Oh, I, I have you know the the very clear, inevitable solution to the problem of Britain's youth is uh, they're going to obviously take a you know take a page out of Takami's book, Battle Royale, and just take random classes <laughs> of children and send them off to an island and make
1: them fight to the death. I think that would work, mm-hmm. and you could also televise it to make for uh, healthy entertainment.
2: Exactly. Eden.
1: Make it in three D. Yes.
2: Or,
3: or, or France could just export some of their cars so that you can turn them over and get it all <laughs> off. <laughs> mm.
1: That could possibly work too. I, I, I hear Jen is not amused. She <laughs> was talking about something serious. I am
0: highly amused actually, but you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, last in the list, uh, John, anything you want to talk about? Um, I have
5: a a story of love and violence. Ooh, um, I'm
1: excited. Should I be uh, donning my uh, 3D glasses uh,
5: for that story? Put on your smoking jacket. Excellent. um, uh, I hope put
0: good music here in the edit there, Patrick.
5: Yes. um, (laughs) Yes, cue the music. Um, Maybe I won't. So I, uh, 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 one of my uh, my best friend is uh, uh, got engaged and asked me to. They're having a very, you know, very small ceremony and they asked me to officiate. Um, and I've been, uh, I was a justice of the peace uh, uh, in the past, which allows you to perform marriages.
1: Um, Wait, what? I, What's a justice of the peace? It sounds a like a super. Justice heroine. of the
5: peace is uh, a magistrate. Is, is is basically a, an honorary title um, that allows you to um, perform weddings. That's pretty much it. Sounds um, cool. But, uh, you know, it, it does not come with uh, a, a two-handed mace or anything, which I was very disappointed. You can notarize documents, too. Um, but, uh, so... You you so I I'd been one in the past. I actually officiated for my sister's wedding in the past. Um. So, uh, but I decided not to do that. I got uh re I got I got ordained uh, online. You know, as you do these days, because mm-hmm. the internet is a wonderful thing. And um, so they are uh, were getting married on uh, August twenty seventh, okay. uh, i.e. the day that Hurricane or Irene dis- was hitting oh, Connecticut. God. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. So. So the day before I get a call at work um, or I, uh, I, you know, my phone is in my pocket on silent and the, it starts vibrating for about 10 minutes straight. Um, and then I get people saying somebody's calling for me at work, uh, you know, uh, over the, the normal telephone system. So I, uh, I, I look at my phone and uh, the bride, uh, her parents are flying back to Michigan. Uh, they can't stay for the wedding because they have to get out ahead of the hurricane or else they'll be stuck here for Lord knows how long. And, uh, they wanted me to leave work early and go down and perform the ceremony that, like, before noon. Um... (laughs) It was probably going to be pretty impossible to do that. Uh, there was many ideas sort of slung around, like um, I was going to. Uh, we have a green screen at work. I was going to, uh, <laughs> was going to do it. Uh, I was going to do the ceremony over uh, uh, by, via video chat over the internet and uh, and do that. Um, but luckily, they came to their senses and uh, they decided the the ceremony was going to go on as planned Saturday morning. Uh, the reception was canceled because the tent that you know the people who are renting the tent they're like no you can't have the tent cuz it's too <laughs> dangerous um so that had to be canceled um but we had uh we had a, a great ceremony that morning um uh, we went back to their uh, to their house uh, in the afternoon and uh, watched them cut cake, had some pieces of cake. Then they divided it up into giant chunks and sent them home with everybody, like the six people that were there. And <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, they then proceeded to kick us out because they had to pack up all their belongings because the town was being evacuated.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: The hurricane wedding. That's awesome. oh, yes. So, um,
5: <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, I believe their town is still out of power as we speak. Uh, we got home. We lost power the next morning. We were out of power for almost forty-eight hours. Um, uh, we played lots of cards in by candlelight, <laughs> uh, and I uh, we tried. I tried to teach my wife how to play Risk, um, <laughs> and uh, that was, you know lots of lots of evenings spent um, doing things other than using the computer it was a nice kind
1: of break but, How so uh, how how did it feel i'm um, i'm actually serious how did it feel to be cut off from, from you was, know well, electricity we
5: were entirely, we, we entirely cut off because we had our cell phones and although there was limited i think one of the cell towers went out so there was limited internet connection but we could get on occasionally we had to preserve you know, I had to get up for work on Monday morning, so we had to preserve as much power in that as we can, so I used my car to charge that. Um, mm. it was it was annoying but kind of nice. You know, we would go around and we would find places that still had power and we would get sort of pre done cold meals trying not to open our fridge or anything. Um yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, Connecticut was declared a disaster area. Um, I know New Jersey got de- declared a disaster area, and I think at the same time the Republicans were saying no funding until we cut more from the budget. <laughs> um, so I mean, it was a lot of ridiculous stuff around you know uh, actually helping people have a disaster. But I think um, all in all, we were over prepared, and that oh, was yeah. a good thing. Yeah, uh, it,
1: it definitely feels. I mean, the the what we heard about it too was that there were there was over preparedness for, you know, what turned out to be a minor uh, met- meteorological event, Yeah, and you uh, would, and which, which is a good which is a good way. thing, obviously. I mean, that's right. what you want, right?
5: Most people would feel that way, but you can't say that to the people who are, A, still without power. Um, uh, the Connecticut River, which runs down through the middle of our state, is getting all of the runoff from up north. So that mm. is now flooding like crazy. It's got, mm. uh, it's up to, I think it reached up to 24 feet um, above the normal level.
1: Wow, that's um, a lot of.
5: Feet. How much lo-
1: is that? Six meters, seven meters.
5: Yeah, there's a it's, a, it's, it's, it's still, we're still feeling the effects of it. Okay. Um, and you know, my my friends got home, uh, uh, went back to their house after the evacuation was called off, and, uh, you know, there was a house missing on their street down on oh, the end God. of their street um i mean you know so there's <laughs> there's plenty of damage to go around um but no it wasn't it wasn't the, as big as it could have been mm. but
1: i'm quite happy that uh, we everyone who was in those areas was told to get out and please uh wish your friends a well i guess a wonderful wedding a wonderful hurricane wedding from <laughs>
5: us too I will do that. They're they're they flew out to Michigan, so they're out there gonna have their second reception, which was already planned um, for the family out there. So they're they're kind of piecing it back together. Been- cool.
1: All right. Um, I guess that is going to be uh, the last story that
2: we talk about. But
1: before, well,
2: Patrick, I just want to jump in. You know, oh, since you know that uh, John is uh, registered now and he's got Skype and he works well under pressure, <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> you know you and the future misses uh, have your minister.
5: Yeah. Can, can I wonder if can I legally? Uh, uh, would France allow a minister from another country to marry you?
1: Um, I, oh. i think. It should be possible. Yes, I. I don't see why not. We'll t- I mean, t- we'll talk, Patrick. Yeah. I mean, very, the, very, very reasonable fees. Yeah. <laughs> the problem yeah. is, though, if if the condition is that you officiate in uh, hurricane-like conditions, I might have a problem with that. So, um, well, yes, that's yeah. The only,
2: you can have your the only way to make us hang out. Yes. There you go.
1: <laughs> we'll have to to discuss Bro- a little bit more. Broadcast
5: we'll live on Justin TV. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um maybe we'll have to see what sonia says she spoiler she'll say no all right um (laughs) let's uh go to the last part of the show where you lovely people uh tell the lovely people that are listening where they can hear more from you if they are you know in need of more interesting international happenings. So let's start with, as always, Turkey, who is the loveliest of all.
3: Oh, that's so sweet, Penfrew. <laughs> Just make sure your fiance doesn't hear you. So you can find me on Twitter, and my ID is Saudi. It's A U D I.
1: All right. Uh, no podcasting news things?
3: Uh, no, no. I haven't I've had. had I haven't had the time, I'm just overwhelmed with other stuff That's, yeah, right Hmm, okay
1: um, I, You shopping can hear by all. the tone of my voice that I do not believe you um, <laughs> Dude <laughs> Well, you've been saying forever that you would, but then you didn't
3: I would, I'm trying, I'm just, I'm okay. a little lazy when it comes to editing That's what <laughs> keeps me distracted with other stuff, so
1: uh John shopping <laughs> that's not shopping yes and your crew <laughs> <laughs> um john what about you? Uh,
5: you can find me on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Copper Dome. And you can also check out my podcast, Negative Cutters, the movie trailer review podcast at NegativeCutters.com. And uh, we are up and running, although the hurricane has kind of dashed this past week to hell for me. So, um, See, uh,
1: that's that's what I'm talking about. Turkey is lazy. You're lazy. You're letting a little <laughs> hurricane
5: Thank and you, no electricity. I was electricity. so busy
0: and sick this week I didn't prepare for the show. Okay. Yeah.
5: yeah. Oh, you got me. <laughs> thank you okay, good one. somebody comes to our defense um <laughs> no, i mean for for me it's uh it, the bigger issue is that uh the uh another project i'm working on i got set way behind because of two days of being out of power and um so i have a lot of catch-up work mm-hmm. to do and but you know it's it, it'll be back on next week but we're we're up and running um some good episodes are up there so check them out NegativeCutters.com. cool uh paul
1: what is up Hi. with you
2: you can find out what's going on with me over at Twitter at uh, Foxlore, F-O-X-L-O-R-E, or on Google Plus, uh, Paul Fox there. And if you're interested in Hong Kong cinema, you can check out the podcast over at Kongcast.com.
1: There's a dash in there, isn't it?
2: Isn't uh, you, there? Can just,
1: you, you can use the dash or not. I've got both Ooh, uh, domain names. So. Kongcast.com, fantastic. Uh, Jen, what about you? Uh, Still have sorry, that that's... fantastic uh, Twitter name of yours? Oh yes,
0: that no one can pronounce. It's it's um, <laughs> Shannon, S E I double N E uh, A double N. I'm sorry. And... Every
1: time you you spell it, it makes me laugh.
0: Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy to provide the entertainment. Um, yep, yeah, you can you can follow me there uh, if you want to see some really funny um, photos of crazy people flogging their shows on the Edinburgh Fringe Mile. Um, it's, there's a little photo stream I put up there of that, but um, other than that, it's just fairly normal stuff. <laughs> so. Cool.
1: Excellent. Thank you very much. And uh, for me, as usual, you'll find everything I do on patrickbeja.com. And uh, that's it. I wanted to read a, an iTunes review, but it's old anyway. And since we've, we're over two hours, I'll leave it for next time. <sighs> oh, yeah, I can hear the disappointment uh, But thanks uh, all of you For being on the show Thanks for sticking with it For two hours Holy crap It was so much fun That I didn't Feel the two hours go by was Really really great thank you so much I hope we'll uh, talk again soon And uh, anyway for the Listeners we will be back in about a month With a new show and I hope We will uh, get to talk to you Again then so thanks everyone For listening thanks you guys uh, For being here and we'll talk to you again In a month Bye. bye
0: Bye
2: bye